Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Welcome back to The Real Journey Show. We are super duper excited that Kansas is representing on The Real Journey Show today. Can't wait. I have my buddy here, Don Epps. He is from Kansas. Uh, The weirdest thing about Don Epps and I, we've actually met twice in person, once in Philadelphia, and then once in, where else did we? Ohio. Ohio for Teach Better. We've never met up in Kansas, but we only live a couple of hours away from each other. So we are super excited to have Don Epps. He is a bundle of energy and positive force in my PL family, and I'm so grateful for his influence, in, not only in my life, but in all the lives that get to experience. Don Epps is an experience. I mean, he can do the splits. So, I mean, it's just impressive. There's so many things, that, there's so many facets about Don Epps that I can't even explain on this one intro, but he is a principal. He is an educational leader, a force to be reckoned with. He's always chasing greatness, and I'm so grateful to be able to call him friend. So, Don, welcome to the show, and please do formally introduce yourself in a much better manner. <laughs> no, that, I'm, I'm I'm speechless. I'm emotional. Tara, that is one of the nicest things I've ever been, been said about me, and uh, that's much better than what TMZ says about me on the basis on their show. But anyway, um, my dance moves are world renowned. But they're outlawed in Mississippi. I can't. They they don't believe in them. my dance moves. The state statutes against them, so I have to keep them real. Sunflower states embraced them. The Show Me states embraced them. We know they've been embraced in the Buckeye state. We know that, and so up in Ohio. So, so like I said, um, just an honor, Tara. You're a game changer in education, and you just have made the world of education so much better by letting people get their voice out and bringing so many voices to light. And uh, that's why you're so special. And thank you for everything you do. I'm so, oh gosh, Don, when you did the splits on that stage, seriously, that was the most epic moment of that whole conference. It was such an amazing conference, right? And then the split, <laughs> like, oh my, I told Dave, I was right beside him, Dave Burgess. I was like, oh my gosh, that is epic. <laughs> I, I don't know. That, that was a... Uh... <clears throat> It was popular demand. It was going to be a riot if I didn't uh, do them uh, at that point. But like I said, it's just uh, I have to have special fiber pants. I mean, uh, there's like space age technology that goes into my britches that uh, help me not make disasters happen. I don't want no Janet Jackson episodes where we have wardrobe <laughs> malfunctions. And so, and so. Oh Don, we are so grateful to have you on the show. You know, on the show, we we are silly. We are serious. <laughs> we're all things in between. But real is an acronym, of course. It is being relatable, exposing vulnerability, being approachable, and learning through life. I know you know this, but just in case anyone listening does it. So on this show, I love taking these 
amazing individuals doing fantastic things in the world and sharing a little bit about their real journey. Like what shaped them into the person they are today? Was there an event? Was there a circumstance? Was there a situation that kind of changed you and made you think in a different way and move in a different direction? And, and really just, it could be anything. It could be personally, professionally, it could be anything in between. But uh, Don, I know that's so open of a question, but I would love it if you just shared any, anything you want to share of a real situation that kind of shaped you into this awesome dude that you are today. <laughs> well, I thank you. I don't know. Awesome and dude, I, I definitely. It's, it's <laughs> but, uh, but here, you know, I, I'm on a mission. I'm on a passion to to be innovative as an educator. And I, and I want to create learning environments that have no limits. And I want, and I'm just on a mission with that right now. I want every kid, every teacher, every family know that we care about them. We love them. That's what's made it so hard about this COVID time is we lost that traditional connection. So now we have to redefine how we connect. And, um, and right now we've been working tirelessly for our school district, trying to help kids get back safely or help them learn remotely or virtually. But no matter what platform, there's got to be a caring factor. I have this theory called the caring gap. And it's when you, if you lack, well, first I'll say, in order to care, you have to have purpose. You have to have pride and passion. And that's what our job as educators is help kids find that. It's my job as a principal to help teachers find that. And so, you know, going back, there's a, we have these defining moments in our, in your life and everyone does. And I've had multiple and I've been so blessed. Oh my gosh. There's been times where like, I've asked the good Lord, like, why are we in this situation? But then five years later, I know that's why I was, mm -hmm. you know, you ever thought about that? Oh. And uh, so, you know, going, I was so blessed. I, I grew up in a very small town, you know, our family, we operated grain elevators and um, I was so blessed because from the time I could walk, I was going to, I was going to, to the, I was going to work, basically. I was going to work with my dad and my grandpa and my brother and my uncles, and, and it, just, it was just awesome. You know, my dad always made a joke, like, once we got in potty train, then he was, he was, in, the, he was in, in with us, you know. And so all I witnessed all my life was hard work and how to treat people. And I, I think that uh, there's these – I witnessed my grandpa and my dad, how they deal with people from a young age, and that's gave me those interpersonal skills to be able to, to – some people call me the parent whisperer. I, I can take any parent that's like totally off the hook or totally, and then bring them back in like, like, okay, Mr. F, it's, it's your turn here. <laughs> so I'm like, because once again, I've, I've seen every situation, you know, of how to deal with people growing up in life. And, and so, and being the part of a small grade school, you know, I, I'm growing up. I, we, we look back and say, man, I can't believe we did things that way, you know, but it wasn't at the time wasn't wrong. Was it? It's just that's a, that's, there was, you know, you know, better, do better type concept. And, right. uh, and, and I, I, I've, I formed these best friends throughout my life that I still have this very day. And, and uh, you know, me and one of my very best friends, you know, we, we, they would say we struggled. We didn't, we didn't struggle. We had fun at school. We, we worked hard and, but, you know, I, I like to draw pictures. I loved grain. I love grain trucks. So I drew pictures of grain trucks. You know, my buddy drew pictures of other stuff. And, and, uh, 
you, you look now and say, well, we probably weren't engaged that much in the learning, you know, <laughs> like the worksheet that we're supposed to be like, that's not really clicking our brain. So, so anyway, I, I was, you know, I was coached up or told, you know, you can't be doing that stuff. I said, okay. I was out. So over time, you know, it just, the, the, this weird ways of dealing with things. Well, you know, we came back in from lunch one time and, or back in from recess and, you know, my buddy's desk was cleaned off. Basically, everything was cleaned off. All his his, his personal pictures and things that he loved, he was throwing the trash can. And so, and then they put a big box around his desk on the desktop. This big box, and it's kind of just singled him out right there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that's not good. And he 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 was just going, he was he was just a mess. And uh, basically, they're saying we're gonna we're going to show him that he can't, he's got to focus on what he's got to focus on, take away the distractions by putting a box on top of his desk right in the middle of the room. And I was horrified by it. And I, I loved him. I felt bad. I felt bad. I was like, why? And it was very, very, I would never in a million years, that's, that's educational malpractice now. You know what I'm saying? And I just would never, I, I couldn't even perceive it. And, uh, what was going on and so because that, that that's not gonna make the situation better and you know I, I i i felt horrible i mean the kids in the class felt horrible and and as a result you know the teacher i think out of probably out of this impulse made a comment you know saying you know and was you know to the class she said you know don john that's me don john it's not smart either, but at least he gets his work done and works hard. And I'm like, huh, I processed that. I'm like thinking, and it wasn't, I disagreed. It wasn't that I was like, like I'm, I'm not smart, am I? And now it's kind of confirmed what I was already thinking. And as a little boy, I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset. I was like, I'm not smart, but I work hard. Huh. And, uh, it was a turning point in my life and, and my parents have always taught me to work hard and to believe in others and, and treat people right. I, 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 I won the parent lottery. I'm just, I'm telling you, and I'm so blessed. And, but in the, it just kind of coming back in my mind. It's like, I'm not smarter than anybody. And my buddy that I talked about, he's brilliant. He's so smart. And, and he wasn't engaged. I wasn't engaged. It wasn't an intelligence issue. It's an engagement issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a passion right now as an educator to fix these for kids. And that's what I want to do. I don't want kids to have to go through that. And, uh, and so it's, it's uh, like, it wasn't a kid problem. It was, a, it, was a, it was an education problem. And so, you know, and I'm, I mean, we, we're, we're closer now than ever, you know, and we talk about it every once in a while, but I don't tell the story. This is not public knowledge here, I guess now it is Tara. But anyway, <laughs> but the point is, is that looking back and being reflective, I, I stopped thinking about it. But everything I did in my life moving forward, I always felt I had outworked people. And so as so for example, I had this I'm gonna tell a real quick positive. Okay, real I had um, two people in my life in high school. There had a lot of people. Um, 
had a, a Mrs. Williams who's amazing and we're still close and she just retired and she's amazing. I mean, amazing. And we're still, we're still close. And she gave me hope. She put me in a play called a Midsummer Night's Dream. And in which the play, which we kind of made a funny version, you know, it was very funny, but I split my pants out in it and I let me just turn it loose and ad lib it. And, and my point is she put me in situations that I wasn't comfortable in to help me grow and help me be a better person. And, and we're still very, very close. You know, I have our, our high school counselor who has a senior, I've, I've kind of a, I was a little bit of a, I, I had a passion. I was going to go to K-State University and I was going to be a Kansas State University. I was going to be a milling science and do all that stuff. I got like my agricultural background, but I did wasn't passionate about it. And so he pulled me up and he, he worked with me and pulled me aside and said, you know, you help people, you love people. And so as a result, as a result, you know, I had a teacher named Charlie Beckman in high school who was my history teacher. And he basically allowed me to coach football during our last period of the day during middle school athletics. And, and it just, it was those moments that it was like energizing my passion is my dream. I didn't even know it at the time. And at, at the end of that season, he said, he said to me, he said, Donnie, you're a coach. And you're a teacher. That's what you're born here. You're born to help people. You're born to, because kids would just elevate around me, you know, the senior and the eighth graders. And, and so I was so happy and so excited that, about that with my counselor and my, you know, Mrs. Williams, my English teacher and, and my history teacher, they got me on track. I went to, I went, and so, but in college I had to grind, you know, I had to pay my, you know, my parents were awesome, but we, you know, times were tough and I had to work through it and fight through it. I drove a car called Captain America. It was uh red, white, and blue, not by choice, by just by how it happened. It was a, it was a 88 Cougar, but it had a Thunderbird front end on it. So I had white fenders and a blue hood because they just kind of scrapped it together and it cost me $75. And I drew, I drove that thing to Pitt State. And it was legendary. Now, I'll say this. I had a $1,000 sound system in it. It had like 15-inch Fosgate subwoofers in the back. And, and, but back then, it's so funny how your priorities happened. The, the priorities were so funny in your life. Like, that's all I cared about, you know. And uh, so, like, 90% of the money I made went into my other pickup truck that I really loved and, and my sound system and my junk car that had no exhaust system, by the way. I didn't care about exhaust. I didn't care about matching tires. I wanted to boom, boom, boom down Broadway at Pittsburgh, Kansas. Okay. And so, so that's what, that's what it was all about back then. But my point being is, is that I had this mindset kind of going back to the original story that I have to outwork everybody. And it wasn't something, it wasn't even an intentional thing. Just kind of, it's like I was wired that way. And so uh, Chuck Smith gave me this opportunity and he's a legendary Kansas football coach at St. Mary's Colgan. Amazing person, amazing person. And he, and I, I, I went to him. It's kind of like on, on eight mile when Eminem's on the stage. And I just kind of went to him and I like, like, sir, I, I would love to coach for you. And I'll, I'll, I don't want any money. I'll do anything you need to do. But I was already coaching middle school football through my first three years. I continued doing that after high school. And then I, when I was in Pittsburgh, Pitt State, I was going to – and he didn't have to give me a chance. He didn't have – he did not have to. He said he could, he could just put me out the door. But he seems – he just seen something in my eyes, I guess, like I, how focused and how, how determined I was. And basically said, okay, we start, work, we start working out 
in on June 5th, if you want to start coming to workouts and I, and I, I'll be there, sir, I'll be there. And I was so embarrassed about Captain America. I parked it like two blocks away from the school and I walked out because I didn't even want people to see my car. But, but anyway, long story short, I just, I just did the two things I know how to do. I know how to motivate people and I know how to work hard. And so, and then by, and by, uh, by that fall, Coach Smith, like, I can't even imagine you not being with us. And that relationship, it's still this very day. We're still as close as ever. I went on, we went on at St. Mary's Colgan to set, set the state winning streak record at 66 games and, and win four state championships and things. But it's just, but it's just like part of my life. It's something I'm so proud to be a part of because what we stood for. But if he didn't give me that chance, my life would forever be different. You know, people ask, you know, everybody, I think everybody in the world knows my son, Charlie. You probably heard him in the background. You know, he's, he's, he's pretty pumped up all the time. And Charlie is named after the two people in my life that Charlie Beckman and Chuck Smith, you know, and, and my dad, Dave, so Charlie David or Charles David. And then, so those are my people that's, that's had the biggest impact in my life and uh, as male figures. And, and so, but I want to emphasize the fact that there's kids out there in the education world and, and schools that need that one hope, need that one break. They only need the one break. That, that went on within, here's what's funny, Tara, within four years of that moment, I was known as a coaching prodigy. I was like a coaching prodigy. Like, oh, everybody's got people on me trying to give me jobs. And like, no, I'm, I'm Chuck Smith. Well, long story short, I ended up going to down the road after I graduated college. And I've been out a few years. And I went, had an opportunity to go to Fort Scott, Kansas, to be a defensive coordinator of the football team and be a history teacher. And I've already been in education for quite some years. I mean, I've been working at Colgan now, the full-time teacher. And, uh, and I just had a chance to get like back home, basically. It's like 20 minutes from my home. And, but once again, you know, I, I felt that there's nothing that I had. I just had to outwork everybody. And I, and I have, and I did, I try, you know, but, but I want to emphasize the fact that these opportunities in your life, that you don't know they're coming. So I, I, I was moving to Fort Scott as my last job, basically. And that's how I kind of looked at it. Within a year, within a year, uh, our the legendary coach of Fort Scott, he he went into the business world, and uh, and then I had an opportunity to become head coach. I thought because I was overly qualified, that's what I thought. I was 26, and I knew everything, Tara. I mean, I knew, I, I mean, oh, good Lord, I knew everything. And so, uh, so what's funny is is that. I, you know, I later realized as an older person, I realized, well, I worked for nothing basically and I do anything. And so that's what I like. I would teach history all day. Could you imagine in, in up where you, you live? I mean, the football coaches don't teach history all day. They, they do weight room and, or they do partial or whatever. So, I mean, and so like I, and I, so I said, well, I teach history all day. So I got to get the kids. I got to get the kids in at six in the morning. I got to work after school. I'd work these stupid John Gruden hours and, you know, it is what it is, you know? So anyway, but the long story there, uh, yeah. So that just, those are the moments, you know, Tara, I've been talking a lot and I don't think the viewers <laughs> here to hear me just ramble on. So no, this is so good. It's so good. There's so many things about your story, Don, that I think is so inspiring. Um, and um, should it be awakening for educators to you? I mean, thinking about the beginning of your story where you talked about your childhood and it's knowing that there are these underlying 
things in our personalities that were formed when we were but a child. I think all educators need to hear this because we don't really always realize that our words and actions are so permanent in some people's lives and not all of them, but in some, and it's really difficult for people to get over it. And so it shapes who they are as an adult. And it eventually, like this could be a good thing, right? But Mm -hmm. it also could be something that hinders you. I remember, you know, words (laughs) that adults in my life would say to me, Mm -hmm. um, and they stand out to this day. I, well, most of my listeners know that I came from a very abusive home life. And so it's a different kind of story, but it was like the physical abuse. I hardly remember it. Sometimes I do, but it's the words like they haunt you forever. Like you never stop thinking about them and it's hard not to allow them to become quote unquote truths in your mm-hmm. life. And they can, but on the flip side, there can be positives to mm-hmm. those negative words and also to positive words. For example, I still remember Mrs. S telling me she believed in me. Like, I remember it like she said it yesterday. I believe in you, Tara. You're greater than your current circumstances. I mean, I didn't know what any of those words meant when I was in second grade. I really didn't. I was just like, yes, she loves me. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what this means. I just think she loves me. And so I, I know that words mean so much to kids, especially you work with elementary. So you, you see this daily. It, it matters what we say. I don't care if it's your own students at your house or it's the kids at your school or if it's somebody that you see in the grocery store it, or if it's a tweet. <laughs> it matters. Everything we do and say matters. And it's sticks out and sometimes it lasts forever in some people's lives. And so I really appreciate you sharing that story. And I love how you, um, you took something that could have crushed you, but you decided, you know what, I'm going to take the positive part of that, the works hard part. And I'm just going to apply that piece in my life because if I work hard, I can do some stuff. You just have to keep putting the work in and and hoping for a positive result. And if you didn't get a positive result, learning from that. And I think that's what you were saying too. Like as you progressed into these coaching roles, it was your hard work. It was your determination that made these people see all of those other great qualities in your life, such as a motivator. You're a teacher. You are just, you're disarming. I love too that you really talked about how, parents and kids they don't feel afraid when they're around you I don't either always feel uplifted always and when I see your videos online I feel uplifted I never feel as if you are attacking or I don't feel as if you are criticizing or putting anyone down and that disarming nature is so key to our work it's imperative that we have some sort of relationship building quality. And that is just a beautiful thing that you have. So I'm just so excited about your story. And I love, I personally love Captain America. It reminds me so much of like what we thought of as kids too. Like we'd pay like next to nothing, not 75 bucks. So that is impressive (laughs) for the car. And then a thousand dollars 
We called it the patriotic warship. Oh my gosh. My sister had a car, a truck. We called it Leper. It had a bunch of primer spots all over it. It, it cost about $200, I think. It was a really cheap car. A cheap uh, F-150. <laughs> it was a steel bomb, but it did have a pretty decent sound system, although the belts were so loud that we actually drove up to school duck down. Like, yeah. see the duck downs <laughs> as if no one knew who drove that. And we would get into our parking spot and then turn it off real quick. <laughs> it was so loud. It was so loud. But yeah, um, good old car Tara, stories are fun. Tara, we, we could have a whole, like, a whole series on <laughs> embarrassing Don F's defining moments. Like, and, and, and my, my, me and my best friends, they all experienced them with me. I mean, like, I, like, I just, like, looking back, I cringe, like, and like, did I really do that? And, uh, <laughs> and so, well, hey, this is this is a funny. I'll why not? Let's get go for it. Wait, anything a, goes here. <laughs> I, I uh, didn't ask a girl to the prom fast enough, and somebody else asked her. And so, anyway, it don't, it don't even matter. But the point, I mean, it really, really doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> so, so at the end of school, I had my, my old pickup. And my buddies were in it with me. By the way, I had I carried them along for a for a carried them along for the ride here. They oh anyway, but it was a four speed, and so I had to tell if I went outside. Okay, so I pulled right out next to them, and uh, and the girl I, I didn't ask, I didn't didn't do it fast enough. She's standing there with all her girlfriends outside the you know, it's a rural Kansas high school, and I look over at her. And the, what I was going to, the plan was, I was going to serenade her, then lay a black mark leaving. <laughs> so I, I like, so this is what I did. I said, I stopped, I looked at her. Everybody's watching, like the whole world's watching. I said, if you see me walking by with a teardrop in my eye, look away, baby, look away. And so I sung that, and I'm, I'm just going to, Drop the clutch. I'm a good driver. I'm gonna drop the clutch and lay a black mark. I forgot my pickup was a piece of, and so anyway, I dropped the clutch. Boom! Killed it right there. Killed it. It's like, Ooh! and I'm trying to start it, and I'm flooding it, and like, ring, 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 ring. I like, like somebody needs to come take me out of the situation right now. My buddies are laughing so hard they can't even like. And so I finally get it to start. And it's like, boof, blew out all this black smoke all over them because they were standing, because the, the girls were all standing off to the side. And I'm like, now he's like, good day. I'll see you later. And I took off like, oh, like, how can I ever even go back to high school? I mean, I'm like, that's, that's, that's catastrophic, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. It's uh, the funny stuff, though, that we did as kids. It's like. For real, our prefrontal cortex was not fully developed. <laughs> it no. was just like, where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> so, that was, uh, so, any embarrassing moment I've ever experienced with with like a kid, a kid like I've been at the principal or the teacher, like I understand where you're coming from, brother, sister. I I, I get it, you know. I, I got get you. It. I got you on that. <laughs> it's all about keeping it real, though, Don. Honestly, I think that's the piece that people love about you that's that disarming piece right because you know that you know you've experienced some crazy stuff too and you don't mind admitting that and I I think no matter 
what our status is in life or in leadership or in education. We just have to remember, you know, we are still humans with real stories. And it's always nice when, you know, I know you don't want to one up somebody's story. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But just letting them know, like, I get you. You know, this isn't the end of the world. You're going to overcome this story. You're going to overcome the situation. I know with my boy at 18, I know he has just gone through so many things. And I'm like, son, seriously. I mean, some of the stuff he's gone through, I'm really like, you are setting yourself up. But then I think back for just two seconds and I'm like, I'll tell my husband, remember when we, he's like, yes. Like we have to let him know that he's going to overcome this like he's going to start thinking straight one day it's gonna happen (laughs) and he you know we'll start to share stories every once in a while you know just to help him he gets very down on himself and he often wants to be it's so interesting for me with Caleb he wants to be where Daryl and I are now like he just wants to skip the whole journey (laughs) there I'm like bro we didn't start out where we're at right now. We still have a lot of room to grow, but you have to go through life. Like this is part of the journey. And when we were 18, we did stupid stuff too. It's just Amen. part of it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes. So thank you, Don. Like this is just so, I think one of the things I would love to ask you just before we wrap up is just, you know, Yes, that situation happened when you were a kid and it made you work hard and it made you try to outwork people. Has that ever, and, and we know that's been a positive in your life. And so um, I'm interested to know, did this outworking people ever get to a place where it became a hindrance of some sort? Yes, yes. And it, it's, it's not it's not great for my family at times because... And, but uh, this like kind of, this kind of explains a lot. We're, I'm right now I'm, I'm on a, trying to get the garage cleaned out. And we, we moved from Diamond, Missouri two years ago. I was a high school principal. We came basically back home in the, where I, close to where I grew up. And, uh, and I have never cleaned out our garage. And it's amazing. We have all the stuff that we had to have and it's all stored in the garage. And, but I can't, I can barely get our bikes in there. And so I've been cleaning it all out. Well, what I came across, what I came across was something amazing. I used to go apply for jobs, like that to be a principal, and I would make these huge ringed binders, like 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 professional. I'd go to the FedEx store or UPS store, and I'd pay hundreds of dollars to have these things all customized to the school I was interviewing at. And I thought that's what I had to do in order to get a chance to get a job. And I kept so so I failed so many times. I I went. I, on another story, you know, I, I, my left four Scott, I, I was a, a social studies teacher and, and a defense coordinator again at Nevada, Missouri Republic. It, I never left anywhere for bad reasons, but I, when I, I had a situation happen with four Scott that I said, you know what, I, I want to go back and get my admin degree. I want to try to make a difference at a, at a building level. Well, getting those opportunities, I thought I knew what it took to get those opportunities. And I thought I had to go into an interview prepared, obviously, but like, like so hyper prepared, I maybe didn't let my personality come out. 
And so I come in with these huge, like I go, Monet, Missouri. I go walk in, boom, I hand like eight people, like things that cost me 25 bucks a piece. Boom, 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 boom. So they spend all their time trying to look through this thing, not looking at me. And so when I went to Diamond interview, I like, and I put so much pressure on myself, Terry. I put so much pressure on myself that I just lost who I was, okay, when I interviewed. I knew I could help a school at a building level. So I went to Diamond, Missouri, where I was going to be the principal, the kind of everything. It wasn't a small little school either. It was a decent-sized school. But I walked in as a superintendent and a middle school principal, who I both love very much, and I just turned it loose into the dawn. I didn't carry any those stupid pamphlets. I just walked in. I just dawned. And I had the job within the first five minutes of the interview, it seemed like. When I came here to Chinook, I brought evidence of what I did at Diamond, but I didn't bring in pamphlets and stuff. I just brought in, like, hey, here's what. I showed them pictures. And what I tried to sell them was, this is what kind of experience I can help bring your school. And this is what kind of atmosphere I can help bring your school. And what I realized, I was trying way too hard. And my, and my beautiful and lovely wife, tell she's so brilliant, she always tells me, you're trying too hard. And I do. I try too hard. She's watched me spend weeks preparing for one TLAP chat. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't do that. And and I'm like, and, and I'm not saying the TLAP chat, but in my life now, my priorities are much different. I'm not 21 anymore. I'm not 26. And my family's number one priority. But a lot of times I let my hard work hinder my family relations. Or I try too hard. That's another thing. As an administrator, you got when you get these, time, you know, what you're talking, I'm talking about. You get time off. Like, woohoo, it's precious, you know. I, I suppose I had a couple of weeks off here in class. Well, I've been at school most every day, okay. But the point is, like, we got to make magic happen, all right. Family time, you know. We got and I like put so much pressure, and I'm like now I'm just just got to let things happen. I mean, I think sometimes we, we try so hard at things, we want it so bad that we we lose who we are and. You've got to be you. You got to be real, like you say, like you like you understand, and like you, what you help the other people understand, and uh, and just turn it loose, and uh, and that's what it's all about. And uh, and when you put too much pressure on yourself, I think sometimes you just, you lose your youness, and that's what you got to have in life. It's so true, and it happens no matter what that one characteristic is. You know, like the same with me, trying to be too perfect trying to be like get something to this place where it wasn't ever the best right it everything has revisions everything has room for growth i know that in my head but i still every project i put into place i've gotten to where i've got i've gotten a lot better but i actually see a therapist <laughs> she helps me with it <laughs> but um yeah but that is something in my life that i started when i was a little girl and it wasn't anything that like people around me put on me. It was like in my head, I had to try to just do the best. I don't know why. I think I think I wanted out of my situation so bad. And I thought like if I could try really, really hard, I would get there. But it just became like excessive and obsessive. And like you said, you start to lose the realness, right? Because real people aren't perfect. Real people don't have to work that hard. Don, you are like a beautiful human as is. I can't even imagine. I mean, I can see this happening because I've seen this kind of stuff happen, especially on the backside of interviews where people come in and I, 
I have actually told people on the backside of interviews as an administrator hiring instructional coaches, I was like, hey, let's just put your presentation aside. Mm -hmm. Tell me about you. What was your childhood like? How did it shape you into the teacher you are today, to the coach you are going to be for these teachers? Tell me a little bit about you. I don't like all the extra questions, all those things that you've studied online <laughs> and you have some great canned answers for. I don't care. I want to know who you are. And then you find out that they're just a beautiful human. We hired one of our best coaches like that. And honestly, we wouldn't have hired her based off of what she was presenting to us because it was not at all what we wanted or needed. Mm -hmm. And so the truth of the matter is being real is what people want. We've, we've seen this with this COVID-19 um, remote situation that all of us are in. What did humans crave the most? They, they craved human connection, mm -hmm. but it wasn't canned connection. It was like, can you FaceTime me and let's go on a walk and just talk about random stupid stuff because that's yeah. what we need to do. <laughs> Be like, because that is what people crave. They craved realness. They didn't crave bulleted PowerPoints. They didn't crave posting. <laughs> they craved something that would feel their soul and remind them that they were valued, that they were appreciated. And I think that's such a beautiful story with your hard work. Yes, hard work can take us a long way, but at some point we do have to remember we're dealing with humans and we are human. And we got to keep that realness in the mix because if we don't have that, then people feel like what it takes to be successful is absolutely unattainable. And the truth of the matter is that's not, think about the most successful people. They failed more times than they got it right. I mean, yeah. but, they're, but they kept trying. They were creating prolifically, right? And I think that's one of the things we have to remember. Just do, act on your ideas be you in the middle of all of it, work hard, but don't let it get in the way of loving the people that are around you and keeping the you in you. <laughs> exactly. So Don, I know you have a book that recently came out and I love, love, love that book. I had the honor of reading it at the onset. Oh, <laughs> look at this. Yes. <laughs> He is pointing out my endorsement. I did have the honor of reading this precious book, Finding Lost Smiles, that he wrote with his wife, Vicki. And I would love if you just told us a little bit about Finding Lost Smiles. And yeah, because if people haven't read it, this is a time where you need to read it for sure. It was ironic. You know, at the time, and we released it right during COVID. And it was like, well, we didn't want to wait because we, feel, we, we thought that time is just something it could be impactful in someone's life and uh it could be something beautiful that a grandparent could share with a grandchild that they can't maybe be with but they could you know, they could they could share this book and or any capacity i i was so honored we had had a grandmother uh, in our community that bought 10 copies for her grandkids and it was like that's so powerful <laughs> you know like like i and it's just and they that's what it's all about you know i i think our kids if they have in our schools we 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 can never expect kindness. We can never expect respect. We got to teach these things, and it's got to be part of what we do. and And we just want to create an avenue where it shows by example that the little smile can make the biggest difference. It's the first time. Now, Tara, I want to make this very clear. 
we met, we met in Philadelphia and I couldn't at ISTE and they were so strict on how many people get into those sessions. So I sat in the hallway, I listened to your presentation on my phone. And then I, after everybody left, I walked in and, and, and you had, it, it was like, it was like Beyonce. You were like, everybody was trying to get to you. And, <laughs> and, and basically I was, I waited my turn. I waited my turn. I waited my turn. And I was like, is she going to know me? Is she, she going to know me? I know she likes my stuff on Twitter, but I mean, she going to remember me or know me. And, and so, but the smile that you gave me made validated that you cared about me. You see where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And that smile can change everyone's perspective in life. Okay. And, and more than that, it's this book offers a way that classrooms could have a passion project moving forward about how they can change their school. Every kid makes a difference. Every kid has the power to change lives. And sometimes I, I, I get so frustrated with leaders who try to do everything themselves instead of hiring others to be the difference. I don't make the difference. The 500 kids in my school make the difference. The 35 teachers make the difference. Our community makes a difference, but they have to be empowered to make that difference. And so that's, that's what we love. And even then, what's really unique about the story and this is a twist, but it's just sometimes you don't see, see it pay off, but all the hard work you put in are like seeds you plant. And then when you need it the most, it comes back and helps you when you need it the most. And that's what I love about it. And so, so we're looking forward to just get, and we don't care if I, if I could give out 2 million copies to people, I would just, I wanted to help make a difference. I'm, we're probably already pushing it on the, old, the old, but it's just, but we just want to make sure that if we can help anyone, if they would ever want to read the book to the class or anything, and uh, we would just love to be a part of it. We, we released it in a time we couldn't be around people. So if there's ever a time where we can start actually meeting in person again, we'd love to get in the classroom. We'll do it virtually, obviously, but get into classrooms and just see the kids and, and work with families and things. You do such a great job of that too. And I think Don, you and Charlie and Vicki, you guys are just, great at helping people find their lost miles. I mean, and by the way, I have never been compared to Beyonce. I'm kind of digging that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I do think smiles are so, they're so contagious. And I, what I love so much about the book is um, the the person, you know, the kid lost, lost his smile. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we will sometimes lose our smile. It's part of life. There are moments where, we feel like, can I really smile right now? Like it doesn't really feel like I should smile right now. But then there are people like you in our lives that help us to remember that smiling is, you can do this in the hard times and the bad times and the good times too. And I really just love that book. I love that it comes full circle and they get to help someone else find their smile too. So beautiful story. Check it out. It's available on what Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you can go to findlostmiles.com. That's pretty easy. And uh, just send me a messenger pigeon and I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you. So, Perfect. but uh, Amazon's probably, Amazon's probably the easiest. Um, you know, one, one quick note, I just, can you brought it up. I'm so sorry to bring this up, but the, the two little people that lost their smile, it's not, we shouldn't be worried why their smile is lost necessarily. Like as a, another classmate or kid, we, we get, I think too much in our society, we get in other people's business. The main thing, they don't have their smile, so how can we, how can we help? That's the main thing. And and so uh, it's just, I, I think it's so, it wasn't, it wasn't the reason why. It could have been various reasons, 
the, the bottom line though is how can we help them find it or how, how can make them how can we help support them and all we care about them I think that's a great point because a lot of times people don't really want to, I'm not one that likes to talk about the things I'm going through. I think sometimes that is a great approach, you know, let's just help them find it again. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Don, if people want to find you on social media, how can they find you? I know you just said findinglostsmiles.com for your book. How can they find you um, on social media? Uh, Don Epps, edu. So just go it's kind of like Terramart edu. I think you talked about that. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so here we go. Ready? Don Epps, edu on, on Twitter. Uh, Don Epps, edu on Instagram. Uh, Don Epps, edu one on TikTok. So that tells me there's somebody else out there that's Don Epps, edu. That's real disturbing. That's really disturbing. <laughs> I wonder if they can do the split. I we'll have a splits off if they, if they can. Check them out. <laughs> Um, I think I, I think I'm the largest North North American creature that can actually do the splits. <laughs> but, you know but the point, and then and on Facebook, yeah, just find me. We have a we have a Smile Finder Edu or a Smile Finder um, Facebook page, and so and then we're a Smile Finder on Twitter. Smile, uh, smile Finder on on Twitter as well. So, uh, and I'm on Facebook. My point is, if you're looking for me, you'll find me. Don't like I said, you and I, we just want to connect. I love I love connecting with, with people. Exciting. What, what I love about Twitter and social media is I, I I have positive thoughts of that. I mean, a lot of people see social media as being very negative, but I see where you find a lot like-minded people. Like they have the same passion, the same drive you do. And uh, I may not have much in common with an educational leader that's five miles from me, but I can. But I, like I said before I, it, it could be. Jeff Kubiak in California or Chuck Moss in Virginia or, you know, it, it, it's just mother matter, you know, and, uh, and we can connect and, and still be, still be rocking in the free world. I love it. I agree. And I am so grateful for my, I call them my professional learning family. They're not even just a network. It's like these people are family. Like when I met you, I hugged you. It was like, I knew you <laughs> already. And um, that's how I am. Well, you saw me with a group of people. That's how I am with people that I meet from my social um, yeah. platforms, because that's, that's what it is. We find like-minded people that can help lift us up, find our smiles, but also help us to be innovative and do what's best for our students. So we can create these moments where they're not doubting their intelligence. They're not doubting their, worth their value to the world but we're telling them like hey i see this in you you are capable of you're greater than your current circumstances like you are capable of so much more than you ever imagined i mean those are the words we need to put into our kids minds yes we have a positive story that came out of this working hard and moving in a direction that's chasing greatness in every area of his life but there are times where that isn't the case and that isn't what the kid receives and that isn't how they perceive their own value in this world so it's super duper vital that we pay attention to our words we pay attention to our actions especially right now in the middle of this global i'm just going to preach for a second the global pandemic where people are watching every single thing that we do as leaders as educators as humans um they're watching us so mm -hmm. pay attention to your actions because they're important. Yes, stand up for what you believe, but know that you, you're being watched and your actions are affecting people and they will change the way that they think about themselves if they aren't correct. I mean, we, we have to, we have to be intentional 
to be careful and to do what we set out to do as it in this profession as educators. So Dawn, thank you for your story. It's so beautiful. It's so real. It's so powerful. And I'm just so grateful that you were born and that we got to meet. Yes. And that you drove Captain America. Like I wish I could see this thing. But oh, it, oh it's a, I think it fell into evil hands about in the in the in the mid two thousands. So we we gotta go it, finding finding Captain America might be harder than finding the Titanic. Okay, so maybe five. Let's have to. This is, yeah, that's, that's another whole life journey I'm going to be on. Kind of that's like another that. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's our fiction. That's our fiction novel we're working on. Finding Captain America. <laughs> hey, fun fact though, I drove it for over five years. Took t- took the sound system out of it. And sold it for five hundred dollars. So that was a good return on your investment. Pretty crafty. <laughs> I think it's in the wrong hand, like I said. So it is, it's too powerful. It's kind of and so that is so, super right. funny. That's a great story. Well, Don, thank you so much for joining the Real Journey Show. We appreciate you so much, and I think everyone is just going to leave this this episode feeling heart this heartwarming story but also getting a few giggles in there and finding their lost smiles if they happen to have lost it so thank you so much for joining we appreciate you thank you so much darren thanks for everything you do for education thank you yeah we'll be back for the real journey show next week same place same time thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for joining the real journey show We are excited you tuned in today and hope that you have left feeling inspired and empowered to stay real and share your real journey with others. Remember, real, it's all about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. You can connect with me on Twitter at TaraMartinEDU or visit my website, TaraMMartin.com. Please use the hashtag RealJourneyShow to share your thoughts of today's episode. Tune in next week, The Real Journey Show.